Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. This church is special. We are, I know we've been doing this for a few years now, but this church is taking a turn. And I don't know if you feel it. But he said he's doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? This church is forming into something that God is really proud of. I just want us as a body to not uh, uh, look at this. Uh, the, no, do not despise this time where it might not always look like where we're going to be, but God is going to move in this place. God is going to blow on this place, and it's going to be nothing that anything or anyone can do to stop the move of God that is going to happen in this house. Man, it's Pentecost Sunday, man, and now y'all, I'm already jacked up. It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, basically, we, we are basically remembering the day when the, when the disciples and the followers of Jesus were up in the upper room and, and, and the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind. That's why I got this all white on today. Because at churches all over this country right now, churches, they get together and they wear all white. Where I grew up, where I grew up at, you wear all white on Pentecost. So every y'all y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. They're like, no, this is what we do. Um, but the Holy Spirit is not just for us to speak in tongues. I believe in speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. But that's not the only manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. So when you at Schnooks, the Holy Spirit wants to be there with you. When you get cut off in traffic, huh? the Holy Spirit wants to be involved within whatever you're about to say to that person that cuts you off. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in our lives. That's why, that's why Jesus, he talked to the disciples in, 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 in Acts, Acts 1 and 8. Parker just said, we're going to go to Acts. We've been in Luke all year, but we're going to Acts real soon, y'all. And Jesus says this to his disciples. Before he, before he ascends back to heaven, he's, he's been resurrected. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, you will be my witnesses. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus is basically saying this, you will have the power to testify because that word witness basically means in Greek to testify. It means testimony. Jesus is saying you'll have the power, your life, the way you live, not just the things you do and the things you speak, but the way you live will have the power to testify to the person and power of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen in this room. Somebody say amen in this room. So I got a question for you on this morning. If, if, if somebody had a front row seat to your life, oh yeah, getting tight, I feel it. If somebody had a front row seat to your life to see how you, how you move, how you make your decisions, how you love your wife or how you love your husband, how you treat your kids, how you handle your money, if somebody had a front row seat to your life, what would your life testify? Huh. What would your life testify? Would it testify to the power of Jesus? Would it testify to the goodness of who our Savior is? Or would there be no evidence of the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you? That's why we sing songs like Holy Spirit. Because we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that we need the Holy Spirit to, to fill us on the inside so it can drive out all of those things that contradict what the Spirit will guide us to do. We need to sing that, that, that part of the song is let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience, let us experience the glory of your goodness. 
that, that part is it's for us first, right? You know, because God needs to clean up all of this messy stuff in us. He needs to do that, but we need to experience it. So when people experience us in the world, they are, they are experiencing God's goodness. When they see you, they should see God's glory. So that's what the Holy Spirit is, family. It's not just speaking in tongues. It's not just so we can have a holy rolling situation up in here. No, but I do want a holy rolling situation. Be clear. Be clear. I want that holy. I mean, it's, it's coming one day. It's going to get crazy in here. But, but that's not, let's not limit the Holy Spirit to that. Amen? Amen, 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 and amen. Listen, last week, Lauren talked about God's faithfulness to us. She, she broke down a scripture. She broke down a parable where the woman lost one coin, even though she had nine. She swept and swept and swept until she find, found that one. And it's so beautiful to know that the way that that woman swept is how God sweeps for us. He'll sweep out all of the mess to find us. That's a beautiful thing to know. Amen, church. But what about our faithfulness to him? What does that look like in your everyday life? So I want to I wanna try to tie a connection between our faithfulness to what God has called us to in our everyday lives in the Holy Spirit. Y'all mind if we take some time to try to link those two? Amen. All right, so this, the text is right here. Luke 16, 10 through 13. This is where we're going to be. The text says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Because no servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Can I say that again? You cannot serve God and money. Now, I know, see, see how tight? Y'all get tight. Y'all like last service. Y'all get tight when I start talking about money. I don't be up here all the time. Why y'all scared of me? I ain't, I'm about to ask. We're not about to take up another offering. Tell your neighbor this. Relax. <laughs> Tell, turn to the other neighbor and say, hey, Relax. Listen, there was a couple ways I could have gone with this scripture. I could have talked about, how, about David, which is my favorite character in the Bible besides Jesus Christ. I could have talked about David and looked at how David was faithful watching the sheep. He was faithful. So God trusted him to watch the children of Israel. He became king. He protected them against Goliath. Or I could have looked at Joseph, and I could have said, all right, Joseph was faithful in the pit. He was faithful in the pit, leaning on the Holy Spirit. He's faithful in prison, leaning on the Holy Spirit. So God elevated him to one of the highest seats in the palace. Or I could have, like, flipped it around a little bit and looked at uh, Judas and looked at how he was unfaithful and betrayed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, we all know what that was, right? Greed. Greed and insanity. <laughs> but I wanted to take some time, instead of looking at Bible uh, characters, I'm like, hey, what if I get a little vulnerable today with y'all and and, and share a little bit of my testimony. Is that all right? Because I think, I, I think you know, sometimes, you know, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb in the word of our testimony. So I want to, I just want to spend some time and, like, kind of let y'all in on something against, you know, something about me, but don't use it against me. 
with what y'all hear, okay? Don't write to the pastor talking about some, well, you got this young boy up here teaching and, and he done talked about he only wants money. No, that's not what I'm saying. Listen to the story. Okay, so back in 2013, I was a young man in Buffalo, New York, young. And um, I, was, I was like, I had went through a traumatic experience and I had suffered a great loss and I had decided like the only way that I was gonna make it through this life was if I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Like a real one, not like the fake one where, you know, you're like, all right, I was forced to go to church. But like, no, this is my real surrender. The first time I really did it. So I, I, I said, okay, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my energy. I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to give you my money, even though I didn't have much because I was in between blessings. We're going to talk about that later. But it's like I said, God, whatever I am, who I am, I'm going to give it to you and you alone. Um, I'm going to leave this back to living lifestyle. So what that, what that basically meant, I, I had to go to the Holy Spirit. I had to go to God and say, like, hey, what am I supposed to do? He said, serve my people, serve my church. I got that from him. I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly what that means, but I had, a, I had an example. My grandfather, one of the greatest men I've ever known in my life, I mean, he would be up at the church seven days a week. Anybody know anybody like that? Like, he's up there. Like, he opened the church. He closed the church. For he, that was him. Like so much so, he was so dedicated to the house of God and, and to the things of God to the point where um, three days before his, his passing, he was literally on the roof of the church just fixing the roof. I mean, he was so committed to the house of God that when I was in middle school, he had picked me up in the church van and it would be a little embarrassing. You know, I, I grew I was in the hood, so like the big old church van pull up. You know, I'm like, come on, granddad, you're just going... Get your boy out here hopping in the church van. It was weird, but it's all good. That, that was my example. So, so, so with that, I said, okay, so what do I do? How do I apply that to my life? And I just said, okay, I'm, just gonna, I'm about to go crazy, and I'm about to just start serving. I'm about to start serving. So I go up to the church. I be cleaning windows on off days. I'm cleaning windows, and I'm listening to messages, and I'm listening to worship music. I'm, I'm cleaning up uh, behind the musicians because they always keep everything so messy. So I get the vacuum cleaner. I just go up there. Listen, I wasn't getting paid. I told you I was between blessings. I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't in any kind of position. I was what you call a super volunteer. I was up there at any chance I can get. I, had a, I even got a key to the church by some point. It was just like, yo, I'm going up there, and I'm doing what I can do. I was simply just spending time with Jesus. Like, when I, when, I, when I had decided to give my life to him, that was the only thing I really felt like I knew how to do. I felt like everything in my life, I had to kind of revolve it around, like, hey, how, what do I need to do just to spend a little bit more time with you so I can get to know you better, so I can know your heart, so I can look more like you? That's what my, that's what my mission was. That was my goal. So I was doing it. I was doing it. And I was good at serving God. I promise you I was. Um, and then a couple years later, I'm, I'm writing songs. I'm, I'm like David. I'm out in the field, and I'm, I'm writing love songs to the Lord, and I released the project. And in about the, sum, the summer of 2016, I got a phone call, random phone call um, from my brother, Brad. He had, he had left me by then. He had left me in Buffalo at that point. He had moved down to Macon, and he was like, he was like hey, P, um, it's a church down here in Atlanta, and they, they, want you to, they want you to come down and sing some songs. And I was like, okay. Like I said, between blessings. So I would go and I would sing, and I would also be able to sell my CDs to make income. So that's what I was doing. I was like, okay, God, you know, whatever. Whatever you need me to do. I went to my pastor. He said, yeah, go ahead. Whatever. Do your thing. I said, all right, great. I went down to the church. I 
had a good time. I mean, they, they, they did three services on one Sunday. Anybody remember times like that here? Oh, my Lord, it was, it was rough for, for your boy because, I mean, back home at my church in Buffalo, we, 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 we had one service. It might have been three hours, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, the three, the three services. That took a lot out of me. But, you know, I was like, okay. I went back, and I went back home, and I kept serving. I mean, I would be serving. It would be times on Wednesday nights. I know I didn't say this last service, but I'm going to tell you all anyway. It would be times I would go to that church back home in Buffalo, and the room is about this size, maybe a little smaller, about 1,300-seat sanctuary. And it would just be me and about 15 other people on a Wednesday night service, and I'm just going for broke. Y'all think I, listen, y'all think I'm bad now. Y'all think I just be doing too much now. Man, I was about 30 pounds lighter. I was going for it. I never got tired. Y'all pray for me because I'm trying to get back. Your boy is trying to get back, but it's a process, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm obeying the process right now. But I went back home. I kept serving. I kept doing what I was called to do. About October of 2016, that same church called. They said, hey, Carrington, um, the church loved you. We haven't stopped talking about, it, about you since you came. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. They said, can you come back? I said, yeah, I can come back. They were like, well, can you come back and not leave? And I was like, whoa, okay, all right. Because I was really, like I said, I was serving God. I wasn't looking for anything. So I went back to my pastor. I said, hey, this is what's happening. How do you feel? He said, hey, if this is what there, if this is where the spirit is leading you, you have to go and do it. So I did it. Went down to Georgia, December of 2016. I moved. I had left my, my then girlfriend. She was just my girlfriend back then. It was so, it was so cute. We, we, like, like my last night in, in Buffalo, we just rolled around the city of Buffalo listening to John Legend. Stay. I'm not, I'm not going to sing. It's all right. it's, but we just rolled around the city, and she, she crying. I'm crying. And it's like, man, we going to get back. We going to get back. And, um, <laughs> uh, and, and, hey, we got back, though, right? We got back. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so moved to Georgia, having a good time. The church is on fire. It is going crazy. And I was like, I was blown away because that was the first time in my adult life where I, where I actually saw a biblical principle, like, play out. Because I had learned to live by three. Three scriptures I, like, really held on tight to. One was Psalm 27, um, 10 through 13, uh, Matthew 6 and 33. And this one was Matthew 25 and 23. This one said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in, in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. It's that part about being faithful that, that I really held on to because it's like I was just in Buffalo. I wasn't out there with a PR campaign talking about, hey, I can make your worship team better. It wasn't nothing like that. I wasn't doing anything but being faithful with the gift that God gave me in the place that he called me to. That was literally my only mission. And then he moved me to another place because he saw me be faithful in one season, and he wanted to elevate. It wasn't me. So I get to Georgia, and it's, and it's great. It's, it's a good time. Everything is beautiful. The church is growing out of its mind. I mean, you saw it was services that we would have, like, to raise money for an initiative. And, I mean, you're talking about a 15, maybe a 1,500-member church, and you would see almost a million dollars raised in one week. Coming from where I'm coming from, I ain't never known a church to be able to do nothing like that. That was just absolutely crazy. 
So I'm like, God is blowing my mind here. I'm, this is about to be crazy. So as the church continued to grow, I, I noticed um, my own personal platform kind of started to, like, grow as well. If I'm being honest with y'all. I'm like, oh, so now people know who I am, and I'm in Atlanta getting calls to do things. It's one thing to get calls to do things if you're in Buffalo, New York. Because Buffalo and Atlanta are two different things. It's a, it's a small pond. Atlanta is a big old Atlantic Ocean. So when, you start getting, when I started getting calls to do that, my ego started to get stroked in a completely different way. Artists that I had looked up to for years, all of a sudden I had their phone numbers. I'm calling people. I'm texting people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we boys. But my, my, during that process, what started to happen to me mentally, I started, I started slipping away from the being faithful over the little thing. That mentality started to fade in the mentality of being faithful to whatever pays started to take over my mind. Just being honest with y'all. My process went from seeking the Lord, seeking the Holy Spirit, to, seeing, to, to, to see where I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do. It shifted so quickly, I didn't even, I didn't even see it happening. But it went to, all right, how much is the check going to be? Or how many members are they running? Because it's like, okay, it's either going to be a check that's going to help me financially, or you got to have a platform so I can continue to build what I'm trying to build for myself. And, 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 and you start seeing in that type of situation, it was, there was a transfer of trust. I stopped trusting in him to open doors. I stopped. I'm being honest with you. I stopped trusting in him to make ways for me. And I said, like, okay, I'm dope enough. Darrington is dope. I can make my own way. I can make my own way. I can make it happen myself. That mentality ended up leading me to a place of depression that I had never experienced in my life before. It's like I crashed and burned. It got, I mean, it was, it was times that were so dark. My, only my wife can actually testify to how dark it was for me because I still would have to go out on a Sunday morning. Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? And go home and crash. Just being honest. That's, that's, what, that's what life was. And I know you can probably look up here and say, like, well, Carrington, like, how? If you were so on fire and it wasn't like it was that much time in between, what happened? How did you get from a, a, a being a young man so on fire for the presence of God, so zealous for keeping up the house of God, so, like, just overly excited to serve? How do you get from that to someone that's only moved by platforms and dollar signs? How? It was really, like, it's easy for me to look back now and say, oh, yeah, I, can, I see exactly what it was. Then I couldn't see it, but it was simple. It was arrogance. When you're not careful in, in submitting your gift to the Father, when you're not careful letting the Holy Spirit continue to have reign and rule in your life, you'll get arrogant. Arrogant, let's see, I don't know what this word means. See, here it is. Having <laughs> or revealing an exaggerated sense of one owns and, uh, one's own importance. Or abilities. And that was me. That was me. I was, I was just an arrogant, prideful young man. But what we don't understand is like when God gives us these gifts, right? He gives us these gifts. He doesn't give them to us to like build our own thing. He gives it to us to use for the kingdom. 
So whether you're, whether you're in the medical field, the, the entertainment industry, you're in, the, you're in education, you're, you're in finance, whatever it is, he gives it to you. He gives you that gift to use for the kingdom. But more often than not, we just build our own and we start saying things and we start believing things like, well, I'm just naturally gifted. Because you start saying, I'm not just gifted, I'm the gift and the giver. I'm the gift and I'm the giver of this gift, which is crazy. But my mind was smoked, y'all, I'm trying to tell you. We start to say things like, oh, well, it's just the, the amount of work I put in to be good at my craft. Or it's, it's how disciplined I am. I'm regimented in this process. And, and we start believing like it's those things instead of actually understanding that it's really just the Holy Spirit moving through whatever you do. That's all it is. We start, we start thinking like, well, I deserve to keep and reap every benefit that comes from these things. Not, none, not really understanding that at any given moment, at any given moment, God can go and find someone else just as talented, if not more. Just as talented. Promote them into the space where you were supposed to be and let your entire kingdom crumble right in front of you. It gets that real. It gets that real. And, and you, can, you, can see, you can see something like this happen with the life of Nebuchadnezzar. He was an Old Testament king. It's an Old Testament king. God used him greatly to oppress the children of Israel, actually. He was, he was the king of Babylon. God used him to basically uh, keep the children of Israel from actually entering the rest that they were supposed to. God used him greatly, even though he wasn't a believer. God used him greatly until he got caught in the trap of arrogance. See, in Daniel 5 and 20, it says this. Talking about Nebuchadnezzar, he said, But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven. Until... He acknowledged, put a pen in that word, until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth, and he sets over them anyone he wishes. The gift was never yours to begin with. You never, you never did anything to actually deserve it. So that's what he had to, that's what he had to tell Nebuchadnezzar. But I'm just grateful for my own, like I'm a testimony service. I'm grateful in my life that God didn't allow me to be out here looking that kind of crazy. Like, I look crazy, right, for a moment. But go with me for a second. Just imagine you driving down 90 going to Chicago, and you passing where all those, like, horses and cows be, and your boy Carrington is just out there butt naked, just, just eating the grass and just going for it. That, that is the kind of crazy Nebuchadnezzar that's what he looked like. But the Bible was clear, man. The Bible was clear when it says, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Can y'all say that with me? Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. And as a son or daughter of God, there's no circumventing that process when you get caught in the arrogance trap. I'm not going to lie to you. He, God loves us too much to allow us to stay in that state of mind. He will bring us as low as he possibly needs to to get us out of that place.
And the, the, the craziest thing about this whole situation is that the arrogance thing was just a byproduct. It was just a byproduct for me. Because what it really was, was a distrust. When I was a, when I was a kid, I didn't grow up poor. Like, like poor, like I, didn't, like I had a roof over my head and we had food on the table. But I'm going to just put it this way. My, my upbringing, we, we focused more on the necessities. The bare necessities is what we focused on. Which was just cool. It's, it's fine. But it was just hard when I got to see my cousins and, and friends and all of them. They, you know, living a completely different life from me from a materialistic standpoint and a parental standpoint. Because, like, as a kid, I lived with my dad, but I was emotionally neglected a lot. It was really, it was really hard. I, it was some stuff I didn't really work out until I got into my later 20s, honestly. Um, I was emotionally neglected, and, like, I had these parental desires that just constantly were unmet. So with my earthly father having this disconnect with him and my, and my earthly mother, these, these ideas, like, of not being able to actually get from them in any kind of uh, capacity, emotionally or materialistic, um, I was just like, I learned to de I develop this like, okay, I got to get mine. I got to get it for me because ain't nobody else going to do it for me. But I took that same mentality, which was dead wrong. I took that same mentality and I, and I put that same thing on him. I put that same thing on God. Like I've, I had seen God be faithful in other seasons. I saw it. Like I just said, he literally brought me from obscurity to Atlanta. Like, out of nowhere, it shifted so quickly. Didn't matter. Because that little Carrington, that little boy on the inside, still was waiting for that other shoe to drop. That little boy was always waiting for the rug to be pulled from under him. That little boy was always waiting for it to run out. So I, so I, I developed a distrust in that relationship. I thought he would take care of other people because I had seen it my whole life but I just couldn't find it in myself to really trust God to take care of me my heart couldn't believe it no matter how many scriptures I read no matter, no matter how many times I heard a message something in me never believed that God would still supply every need that I had something in me said that he doesn't care about you enough So I did everything that I could do to kind of sustain myself. So that's why I would, I would, when I would get calls to go and do things, I would, I would say the things and be like, hey, man, well, I need this. I need X amount of dollars because I was trying to make myself feel more secure. I had, I had to make you, I had to make you believe that I was bigger than what I was because I needed to make myself feel secure. I had to put the price tag on my gift because I needed to make you believe that I was worth it. Just, you're worth so much more than these things that you keep chasing after. He reminded me that his love was all I actually needed. 
So I know, man, I, sorry, that, man, that almost took me out. <sighs> Come back. I know some of y'all are probably in here like, man, Carrington, you speaking to me? You're reading my whole story right now. But what do I need to do? How do I get out of this arrogance trap? How do I get back to a place of surrenderance? How do I get back to the point where I'm in love with spending time with him again? Well, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 puts it like this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on shame. Put on a new nature. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Romans 12 says, be ye transformed by the renewing. The renewing. Meaning whatever that old way was, he wants to make that thing new. The renewing of your mind. Like I said with Nebuchadnezzar, he was stuck until he acknowledged the only way you can acknowledge is if your mind is renewed. And, and, and that's, that's, what, that's all I'm saying. Basically, it starts there. It starts with you allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to reshape your thoughts, reshape your processes, reshape your desires. And honestly, more than anything, the way you renew your mind is just spending time with the Father again. I know that sounds simple. But we all make that very complicated. So some of you are like, okay, I hear you, Carrington, renewing of your mind, that whole thing. I see the scriptures. But it still sounds like Christianese to me. Give me something practical. I got you. In the mornings, when you wake up to make your coffee, don't just make coffee to stimulate you. Open up the text. Open up the word. Start reading. Let that be the first thing. Let that be the thing that begins to shape and shift your appetite. Huh? And if you're like, okay, well, the Bible, the Bible is sometimes hard to read because, I, you know, I start reading it and I really want to, but I start falling asleep when I'm reading it. I get it. You ain't the only one. I do it too. Cool. But there's plenty of books, audio books, and podcasts that are faith-based that you can listen to that can, that can begin to spark that Holy Spirit activation in your life. Like, instead of going and listening to sports radio all the time, Carrington, instead of doing that, when you're in the car, put on your favorite worship playlist. And if you need one, you know, hit eric.parks at forcitychurch.com, and, and he'll, he'll give you the worship playlist. He'll, he'll figure one out. He always sending me songs. Um, do that. And if, listen, we just finished, we just finished our, uh, our Spring Haven uh, following Jesus, it was absolutely incredible. It's been so many testimonies of life-changing things that have happened through that haven. Sign up for a haven. This fall, we have another following Jesus joint. It's going to be crazy. And if you're like, well, I don't want to wait that long to get connected, this Wednesday, some, tell your neighbor this Wednesday. Oh, uh, y'all was quiet. I said, tell your neighbor this Wednesday. We have the glory haven right, right down the hall. Right down the hall, where it's going to be a group of people just in there worshiping God, just worshiping Him. 
There's no agenda. It's just us getting together and we just worshiping. And if you're like, well, those ain't really my issues, Carrington, but that money thing, you got me. Well, begin to challenge yourself to give in the house of God. Challenge yourself to, to, to give. And if you're like, well, Carrington, I do give. I give my 10%. I give my tithe. I give what I give. Well, challenge yourself to give some more. Don't be complacent with just doing the bare minimum. Amen? Amen? So what I'm basically saying is this. We cannot expect the Holy Spirit to be active and moving in our lives if the only time that we give him access is for this hour-long service on Sunday. It's not going to happen that way. You have to find other time to spend time with God and the Holy Spirit. You have to find that time. Because I believe this. When you begin to find that time, your mindset is going to begin to change. Your perspective is going to begin to change. When you begin to hear the, the, those, those evil thoughts come into your mind, you'll have something to, to throw back against them. Like when you start here, when you start feeling your old worldly nature trying to take up real estate in your mind again, you'll, you'll start to say things like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you'll be able to combat those things. When, 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 when those old childhood traumas begin to take over your mind and try to take you back to a place of depression, when you, when you start feeling that, you'll be able to say things like, though my mother and father forsake me, my God will hold me close. When the enemy, oh my God, when the enemy tries to come in like a flood and he tries to tell you, you might again, you might as well give up on everything that you believe. You might as well get rid of your family. You might as well kill you. You might as well commit suicide. You'll be able to say, my God was faithful before and he'll be faithful again. And now unto him. Manifest in your life. Everything changes. Everything changes. Nothing is off limits, family. When you let the Holy Spirit have rule and reign. Amen. Amen. Can we all stand for a moment? I'm coming back to the heart of word. Because it's all about you. It's all about Just have your 